So, uh, in November last year, uh, as has been said in the last couple of weeks, uh, the PCC met, Church Council, and uh, it's, a, it's a long-standing tradition here, uh, as it is in most churches, to uh, simply ask God, what is a verse that we can take into the new year? Uh, and PCC take that seriously, they pray together, uh, they had a number of options, and in the, uh, in the end it was uh, the kind of staff team that finally made the decision on this one. Uh, and of course, you all know it now by heart, don't you? And I know it's on the screen, and I know it's on the board over there, but let's say it together, all right? So, it's an easy verse to memorize, isn't it? And uh, when we decided on it, uh, it felt like it was a verse that God would speak to us through for this coming year. Uh, In fact, it was the first verse that was mentioned at the PCC meeting. I think Sheila brought it. Uh, And the moment she said it, something stirred in me. It was like, that's the one. And we had a number of weeks of kind of praying and reflecting on it afterwards, but it was that one. And uh, when we decided to do a sermon series on it, it breaks into nice three parts, but um, Rob, Simon and I didn't have a conversation about how we would preach on it. We just thought we would allow the Spirit to speak through us. Uh, And it's fascinating that Rob took uh, on the first Sunday, uh, he, he saw this verse in the context of spiritual warfare, our battle against evil. Because the verse itself doesn't necessarily mean that. It obviously does, but you could look at it in other ways as well. And then Simon picked up on it as well last week. And I think that's a word for us that in this coming year, there are things that we'll need to battle against. And so we do need to be strong and courageous as we do that. In fact, even the, um, the, the, the image that we have behind the verse, uh, some people I know don't like it, it's a little bit bleak and a bit dark. But my wife said, it looks like a battlefield. And of course, there's the cross right at the bottom where the the greatest battle took place and where the enemy was defeated. And we need to hold on to that. We can't always have things nice and pretty and colourful and all those kind of things because life isn't like that. Life can be a struggle. If you look at the pages of the Bible, there is struggle written on every page. Even the name Israel means they struggled with God. And so this idea of the battle is something that we need to take seriously, especially as we come into this new year, and especially as we think about how we implement the vision that we feel God has given us. Because we really feel that God has called us to play a part in transforming this town for Jesus. So what does that look like? And as I uh, thought about this verse, uh, I decided that um, there was an obvious passage to use about being strong and courageous, which is Joshua 1, which is a a kind of passage lots of people know. It's where God speaks to Joshua just as the people of Israel are about to go into the promised land. And about three or four times he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Uh, But the verse that we had read to us, or the verses we had read to us, are a different take on that. Because in the verses that were read to us are a different part of the story where God isn't just speaking to Joshua, 
God is speaking to all the people of Israel and tells them all to be strong and courageous. And I thought that would be important for us to hear that. And you know the the part of the story, they've been wandering the wilderness for 40 years because they refused to enter the promised land because they were afraid. They'd heard stories of what was in the promised land, stories of giants and strong nations. And they were terrified, so they didn't go in. And so they wandered the desert for 40 years until God finally brings them back to the, the banks of the river. And they look across the river and they see the promised land. And God is calling them to cross over and he says to them, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Why? Because they were terrified. They were scared. They were anxious. And as we think about our vision here to transform this town, as we think about what it might take to transform this town, that might raise for you all sorts of issues around anxiety and concern and even fear. Well, what does it look like to transform this town, for this church to do that? What does that actually look like? Well, I don't know. And that's part of the problem. None of us do. We are stepping into the unknown. And all of us at that point might think, wow, what's that going to look like? I'm a bit unsure. Well, let's... uh, Let's just think about the story of the Israelites going into the promised land a little bit more. What were they facing? Well, they were facing a new land. Now, any time you go somewhere new, for some people that's really exciting. It's like, this is an adventure. For some people, it's really anxious. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what the place looks like. Where am I going to eat? And for the people of Israel, they would have had that concern as they looked across the river to the promised land. They would think, well, what's the land like? Is it rocky? Is it good soil? Will there be enough water for us all? Don't forget, there's about a million of them. Will there be enough water? Will there be enough food? As they looked across that river, they were stepping into the unknown and they didn't know what would happen. It's absolutely normal. It's expected. They would be scared. And God says to them, be courageous, be strong. And as we think about our vision, as we think about what does it mean to transform this town, what kind of church do we need to become to do that, then we could be thinking, well, I don't know what it looks like. I'm afraid. Will this be the church in five years' time that I've grown to know and love? Or is it going to be different? Well, the answer is it's going to be different. And for some of you, you might not even like it. And some of you will love it. Because in the end, we all like what we know. We all like what we can trust. But when God calls us into something, he is calling us into an adventure. I know um, where I used to live, I heard of um, people, a number of people, not just one or two, who uh, had never travelled more than two or three miles from their home. They had never even been into Liverpool city centre. It's incredible, isn't it? To live life in such a constrained 
restricted kind of way. To have never seen the glorious sights of Liverpool. (laughs) To have never come to Southport. To have never seen the beach and the sea. (laughs) To live a life that was simply about the houses and the shops that were in the immediate vicinity. That is a stunted, restricted kind of life. And yet God calls us as Christians to an abundant life. And part of that abundance is to live a life of adventure. To be stepping into the unknown. To be stepping into things that God calls us to. And we never always know what God calls us to. We never fully understand it. Because if we did, a lot of the time we wouldn't do it. But God calls us into an adventure. And for those people who stood on the banks of that river and looked across to the promised land... There'd be some of them going, yay, let's go, let's go. And a whole bunch of others thinking, "Mm, maybe not. I'm not sure. I'm scared. And God said to them, and God says to us, as we look to the future, be courageous. Be strong. The other thing that uh, the people of Israel faced as they looked across that river was that they knew, the one thing they did know, was that there were giants there. Because 40 years earlier, they'd sent scouts into the land and they came back and they said, there are people there, there are warriors there who are enormous, who are huge. The nations there are strong. We will never take them in battle. And that's one of the reasons why they stepped back. They had giants to face. And for us here at Christchurch, as we think about the future, as we think about this town, we have our own giants to face. Let me name them. Complacency. That idea that, you know, I'm all right as I am. I don't need to change. And that's for Christians and non-Christians. I'm coping okay. Life's all right. I'm doing all right. I don't need God and I don't need you. Or how about individualism? Which definitely is about, I don't need you. I can cope with life on my own. I am strong enough, independent enough to live life without other people. You know, that is actually a lie of the enemy. We are meant to be a people in community. We are designed by God to live in community with others. How about consumerism? That simply says, all you need to do, if you want satisfaction, walk out of the store, go and do some shopping. You know? Go into Beals or Debenhams, and we really do encourage you to do that. (laughs) We want to keep our shops. The more stuff you buy, the happier you will be. And of course, you have to keep on buying. It is an addiction. You have to keep on buying stuff to keep that going. Or consumerism is about, I simply want my needs met. I will find a church that meets my needs. And if they don't meet my needs, I'm going to flip and well find another church. And people do that, don't they? 
happens all the time. See, these are the giants that we face in Southport. How about the giant we haven't named, the enemy, the devil? I've said from this stage before that uh, I think Andrew and I have faced more spiritual oppression here in this town than we have done in any other place we've lived. I think the work of the enemy in this town is incredibly strong. And he wants to divide Christians and separate them and he wants to oppress Christians. He, he doesn't want Christians to enter into all that God would have them be. The oppression here is strong. We face an enemy here. But you know what? We face big giants, but we have a bigger God. Whatever it is we face in this town, God is bigger. And whatever idea or philosophy we face, whether it's individualism or consumerism or materialism or other religions, our gospel is true. Our gospel is powerful and can dismantle every other idea and philosophy. When I became a Christian at the age of 21, it wasn't simply because something miraculous happened, which it did, and it was super miraculous. And it wasn't simply because I suddenly felt loved, which I did. It was also because what I discovered of the gospel was true. And that matters. And it was more true than anything else I had come across. See, the gospel has power. And it can dismantle every other idea, philosophy and religion. Because in the gospel, we find complete wholeness, satisfaction, significance, meaning and purpose. You will find belonging, acceptance and love and grace. You will find truth. And whatever giant there is out there, it will fall in the face of the gospel. And isn't it wonderful in that passage how God says... I go before you. I have already crossed over the river. Whatever it is we are facing, God is powerful enough to dismantle it. And we have to hold on to that truth. And we, if we are to see our vision fulfilled, need to believe that truth. To not simply step back into a defensive posture. Our God is with us. You know, there are churches all over this land who in the face of the giants that they face, step back and think we'll just hold on for as long as we can in the hope something changes. And of course, it doesn't. Do you know that there's been research done by someone in this town that says in the last hundred years, 80 churches have closed in Southport. There's eight zero, not 18, eight zero. Each of them hoping that something would change. Ignoring the call of God upon their life to reach out and not to step back. God is calling us, a Christ church, to reach out beyond these four walls to all those who are passing by right now. Who are looking for meaning and significance and love and truth in their life. And he's looking for us to do that work for him. There is no giant that we will face that cannot be conquered in the power and the truth of God. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this. Jesus says, take courage. I 
have overcome the world. Isn't that a fantastic little phrase? I'd encourage you to memorise that. Take courage, I have overcome the world. What's he mean by the world? He simply means every idea, philosophy and religion that has ever been conceived by man. Jesus has overcome it. He has overcome it all. On the cross, on that battlefield, at Calvary, Jesus defeated the enemy. And we live in that victory each and every day. And so we have to face our fears. Each and every one of us have to face our fears. As we start to think about what do we need to do in order to be the church that God wants us to be. In order to do that, we have to face our own fears. And I know some of you are afraid because you've told me. I don't like all this talk about change. I'm worried. What does it look like? I don't know. And even if I thought I knew, I wouldn't tell you because I might be wrong. Probably will be wrong. We stand on the brink of God leading us into something. And I am not at all surprised that you might be worried or anxious or even afraid. I am. I love change. I'm afraid. See, if, all, if we make a whole bunch of changes in this church and we try and do things to reach our town, especially to reach the, the young families and young people of this town, if we make a whole bunch of changes and it all falls apart, whose head rolls? You're looking at it. <laughs> I don't want that. Every now and again, I have that kind of nagging feeling. Mm, are we doing the right thing? Should we be doing something else? And then something happens that reminds me that, you know, I think God's in this. I think that's what God is calling us to. God says to each of us, Be courageous. Be strong. You see, nothing worthwhile has ever been done without people facing their fear. Nothing. Joshua, entering into the promised land, leading the people of Israel for the first time, must have been terrified. He had decisions to make about how to defeat the nations in front of him. He had decisions to take to make about how to lead this group of people. He must have been terrified. Think of Gideon, the story of Gideon, the least in his family, the least family in the whole of Israel. He was the least of the least of the least. And he was asked by God to lead the people of Israel against the Philistines. He must have been terrified. In fact, we know he was. He didn't want to do it. And yet he led them to victory. Think about Peter as he stood in that boat in the midst of a storm and he sees Jesus walking towards him on the lake and Jesus says, come to me and he steps out of the boat onto the water and walks. Do you think he did that without fear? Think about Jesus as he faced the cross the night before. He is praying and he is sweating drops of blood. 
through worry, anxiety, fear. Nothing worthwhile has ever been achieved without fear. Without someone being courageous in the face of that fear. You see, courage isn't the absence of fear. We all know that, don't we? Courage is simply the decision. It's not a feeling. It's a decision to do the right thing, even though you're afraid. So as we face our fears, we do it with courage. And you know what? We do it together. See, not only do we have a gospel that is powerful enough to dismantle every philosophy and idea, not only do we have a God who is powerful enough to dismantle every giant, we also have each other. And you might not be inspired by that. But from next week onwards, our sermon series is going to be all about building community, building family. See, we should be the kind of people that is encouraging each other to be strong and courageous. The word encourage means to give courage. That's what it means, to build courage in someone else. We should be the kind of people that is saying, yeah, we need to go for this. That as one body, as one family, we are seeking to fulfill the vision God has given us. And we all have a choice in this. We can say, yeah, we're going to go for this together, even though I am afraid, even though I'm uncertain. Or we can be the kind of people that wants to put the brakes on, wants to gather all other people around them to, to sow discord and disharmony. We have that choice. But if we're to be family, if we're to be the kind of people that see the vision of God fulfilled in this church, we need to do this together. So I just, I just, the moment I say together, I think of that advert, that couple, we want to be together, you know. Some of you are too young for that, don't worry. Uh, we need to be together. We need to be solidly together, encouraging one another to be strong, to be courageous, to step out into the unknown. As we start to think about missional communities and develop them over this next year, you will need courage and you will need strength. To think about how you connect with people outside of the church. We do it together. But we also do it knowing that God is with us. Twice in that reading, uh, and I only uh, recognised it that, um, uh, as it was read to us before by Simon, that it came up twice. God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Isn't that powerful that in those few short verses, God chooses to say to the people of Israel twice, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. And as we step into the future, as we step into an unknown land, we know that God is going to be with us. Why? Because he's called us there. And it says in that passage that God says, I have crossed over before you. See, God is already at work in this town. Not necessarily in the churches, but certainly amongst people out there. He's calling them back to him. He's creating circumstances. He's speaking into hearts to call people back to him. And he's waiting for churches in this town to step up 
and to be the kind of church to partner with him in the work that he is already doing. I've said it a number of times, but I think this town is quite easy to talk about God in. Certainly compared to other places I've lived. Don't hear the words of the enemy that says it's hard. Because it's not. There are people in this town who are longing for truth. And you have the truth. God is out there doing his stuff. Doing his work. Calling people back to him. So my word to you today is simply this. Take courage. It's an unusual phrase that, isn't it? Take courage. Where do you take it from? You can't just take it off a shelf in a little jar called courage. We take our courage from God. The God who is bigger than every giant that we'll ever face. The God who already knows the past, the present and the future. And when he calls us into something, it's because he already knows what the future looks like. He's calling us to take hold of the courage that he wants to give us. He wants to place inside each of us an inner confidence in the gospel, in his power, in each other, and in the vision that he's calling us to. Let me just speak to to half the congregation today. See, the Greek word, uh, take courage, or be courageous, is, actually means, be men. Now, that is not written simply to the men, because Paul was writing to the whole church of Corinth at the time. But I want to say a word to men just for a minute. I want men to be the kind in this church to be the kind of role models that either younger guys or guys outside the church can look up to and say, yeah, that's what a Christian looks like. I think women are better at that than men. Men like to be liked by their peers and all that kind of stuff. But I want to call out of you guys courage. God is calling you to be the men that he determined you to be before you were even born. Take courage, guys. Be what God called you to be. Live out the life that God has given you. Not with reluctance, not with fear, not with a sense of anxiety but with an inner confidence that this is what God made you to be. His son. His child. Do not let anything get in the way of that. And be the kind of person that others can look up to. Because one thing I see in, in the younger generation is a longing for role models. A longing for a relational mentor who would say, this is what God has done for me. This is what God can do for you. 
this is how you can live your life with meaning and significance. Not living it aimlessly like some would. Would you be that kind of guy? But for every single one of us, we need to take courage. We need to stand up against all the giants of this town. We need to step into a new land, not afraid, because we know that God's already gone ahead of us. And we need to be the church that God has called us to be. Should we stand for a minute? And the band, would you like to come up, please? So uh, we're going to uh, have a bit of ministry like we always do. Um, And so I think what we will do is this. Uh, If you just think, right, I feel God calling me into something. I feel like God is calling me to be more courageous. I feel like God has just stirred something in me today. I'm not going to ask you to go over there. I'm going to ask you to come and stand at the front. Okay? So uh, I'm just going to allow a little bit of space. And if you feel that that's you, I'm going to ask you to make your first step of courage and say, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go to the front. Okay? So I'm just going to allow a bit of space. If you want to come, there's no pressure to. If you want to, please feel free to.